the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast is an authentic space to talk about life and truth and love. This podcast has evolved, which is no surprise to me, because when you choose to live authentically, you experience a lot of change. Thankfully, it's always a positive change, because when you ditch the coulds and shoulds and let God lead, the outcome is always beautiful. This podcast started as a resource for recovering perfectionists, but has expanded into a place for all to come and be themselves, share their struggles and their victories, giving God the glory along the way. Our world today suffers from an excessive amount of pressure on all sides that leave an individual feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, and eventually hopeless. My guests and myself have experienced all these feelings at one time or another, which is why these stories and encouragements will inspire and uplift you. Hi friends, welcome to season three of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. Season three has something extra special just for you. Along with the interviews you love from my authentic guests, you will have the opportunity to listen to the new free audio version of my newest book, The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. I was inspired to create this audio version for those who want to listen during their commute or while doing the dishes. It is still recommended to sit down when you get a chance and go through this Bible study book as it involves a lot of one-on-one writing time with God. But I believe you will find this audio version helpful as you get started. Each chapter will be recorded as its own episode. Please feel free to share the listening links with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People, Chapter 7, Saul and David. Guys, I think this is my favorite chapter in the whole book. Just a side note. Let's jump out of Genesis for a minute and take a deep dive into two other prominent characters of the Old Testament, Saul and David. Saul was the first king of the United Kingdom of Israel, reigned 1047 to 1007, according to the Hebrew Bible. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel and reigned in Gibeah. He committed suicide during a battle with the Philistines at Mount Gilboa, during which three of his sons were also killed. Timelineindex.com Saul There was a time where Saul had God's favor. He had the Holy Spirit over his presence, and then God took it away. Saul's story disheartens me. God picked this man for the job of king, but he didn't live up to his potential, so God took it away. His protection and Holy Spirit. Yikes! My worst fear is that God will ditch his promises to me if I don't meet my potential. This is definitely the perfectionist in me. We know that God is true to his word. So why does it appear that he changed his mind with Saul? Later we'll meet David. God made promises to him too. And David didn't always live up to his potential either. I would say his sins were equal to, if not worse than Saul's. Not that we get to judge. So why didn't God treat them the same? Read and record. 
Read 1 Samuel 9, verses 15 through 21. And so I will read that for you now. God's choice for a king. Now a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. And he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people, because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw the Lord, he said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And in the morning I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's household? Saul replied, I am not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak to me this way? Did God choose Saul to be king over Israel, or did the people? Did Saul believe he was the right man for the job? Why am I not? Read 1 Samuel 10, 6-9, which I will do for you right now. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them, and be changed into another man. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you, and you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you should do. Then it happened, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart, and all those signs came about on that day. What was Saul's promise in verses 6 or 7? What work did the Holy Spirit do in Saul? God changed Saul's heart, and Saul even began to prophesy. The people that knew him before questioned this change because it was so out of character for him. The writer of Samuel tells us of the change in Saul's heart, and the people who knew him were witnesses to it, letting us, the readers, understand that this change was real. 1 Samuel 10, 10-13 says, When they came to the hill there, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. It came about when all who knew him previously saw that he had prophesied now with the prophets, that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man there said, Now, who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. God chose Saul to be king over Israel. Saul was shocked that he was God's choice for Israel's king. 
especially since he was from the smallest family in the smallest tribe of Israel. But Samuel anointed him as king, and God worked in Saul's heart. Saul was so timid about his new title, but he was doing pretty well with the news so far. 1 Samuel 10, 17-19 says, Thereafter, Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the sons of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought Israel up from Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the power of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But you have today rejected your God, who delivers you from all your calamities and your distresses. Yet you have said, No, but set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. God always wanted his people to serve him, and he still does today. God didn't want to give a king to Israel. He wanted to be their king. But they were stubborn and foolish. So God gave them what they wanted. And guess what? They still weren't happy. That is why Samuel brought this warning to them, 1 Samuel 12, 14 through 16. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. What important warnings and promises do you see in the passage above? Underline them. Saul had a great victory in his first battle, but Samuel wanted to make sure that the people gave God the glory instead of Saul. Read 1 Samuel 12, 12-25 and answer the following questions. So I will read that for you now. The king confirmed. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, although the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have asked for. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Even now take your stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call to the Lord, and he may send thunder and rain. Then you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, by asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, so that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord 
with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you will go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. Answer the following questions. What promises and warnings did Samuel give the people in verses 19 to 25? Reread verses 20 through 22 of the same passage and write it down here. Read 1 Samuel 13, 13 through 14. What does Samuel tell Saul? So now I will read for you Samuel 13, verses 13 through 14. Samuel said to Saul, You have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So what does Samuel tell Saul? Samuel says that the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, verse 14. Who do you think he was referring to? Please take notice that after Samuel had delivered his message to Saul, there was no response. Read 1 Samuel chapter 14. In your opinion, does Saul seem to be following God? So now I will read for you chapter 14. Jonathan's Victory Now the day came that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah, under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. And Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the priest of the Lord at Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp crag on one side and a sharp crag on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Seneh. The one crag rose on the north opposite Michmash, and the other on the south opposite Geba. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. His armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself 
and here I am with you according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and this shall be the sign to us. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, Behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor-bearer behind him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer put some to death after him. That first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made, was about twenty men within about half a furrow in an acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among the people. Even the garrison and the raiders trembled. And the earth quaked, so that it became a great trembling. Now Saul's watchmen in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went here and there. Saul said to the people who were with him, Number now and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. Then Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God was at that time with the sons of Israel. While Saul talked to the priest, the commotion in the camp of the Philistines continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. And there was a very great confusion. They struck among the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very weary. The people rushed greedily upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have acted treacherously. Roll a great stone to me today. Saul then, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Each one of you bring me his ox or his sheep and slaughter it here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating with blood. So all the people that night brought each one his ox with him and slaughtered it there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and take spoil among them until the morning light, and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. So the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him on that day. Saul said, Draw near here, 
all you chiefs of the people and investigate and see how this sin has happened today. For as the Lord lives, who delivers Israel, though it is in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not one of all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord, the God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Saul said, Cast lots between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. So Jonathan told him and said, I indeed tasted a little honey with the end of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I must die. Saul said, May God do this to me and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Must Jonathan die who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Constant Warfare Now when Saul had taken the kingdom over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, the sons of Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines, and wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment. He acted valiantly and defeated the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan and Ishvi and Malshi Shua, and the names of his daughters were these. The name of his firstborn, Merab, and the name of the younger, Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahamaz, the daughter of Ahimaz. And the name of the captain of his army was, Ab was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now the war against the Philistines was severe all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any mighty man or any valiant man, he attached himself. He attached him to his staff. In your opinion, does Saul seem to be following God? Read 1 Samuel 15, 1-9. So now I'll read 15 verses 1 through 9. Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has, and do not spare him. 
But put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Then Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah, as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. What was Saul supposed to do? What did Saul do that wasn't quite right? This passage is a beautiful example of that partial obedience we talked about a few chapters ago, chapter 5. Saul did go down and defeat the Amalekites, but did he follow God's explicit instructions? No. Hopefully you will finish the story of Saul on your own, but I can tell you now things don't turn out well for him. This partial obedience is part of why things go very wrong for him, but it's not the whole reason. God took away Saul's kingdom for disobeying. He defeated the Amalekites as God told him to, but he captured King Agag and took the best of his sheep, oxen, and lambs. It was after this act that God told Samuel that Saul would no longer be king. That's a pretty big consequence, wouldn't you say? At times in my walk with the Lord, I've been afraid of scary consequences. I find myself asking, am I a Saul? Take some time to think and respond to this before you read on. Are you a Saul? Continue to read 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 11 and write down what it says here. And this is 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 11. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord at night. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told Samuel, saying, Saul, come to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, then turned and proceeded down to Gilgal. Samuel said to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen which I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak. Samuel said, 
Is it not true? Though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to your neighbor, who is better than you. Also the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Then he said, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and go back with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Now, friends, I read longer than I had planned because there's a lot more reading coming up um, in the following questions, and so I just decided to continue reading. Um, in fact, I'm going to read even a little bit more. I'm going to read all the way to verse 35. So I just finished verse 31, and here's verse 32. Then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made woman childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, but Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, for Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. 
So again, just a little side note from me, that passage where Saul is basically begging God to forgive him gets me every time. It it upsets me every single time. It makes me really sad. <laughs> okay, so back to the study. How did Samuel respond to this in the following verses, 11 through 16? In verses 13 through 21 of 1 Samuel chapter 15, did Saul recognize that he had done anything wrong? What does that reveal to you about his character and his heart? When Samuel asked Saul, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Verse 19. What did Saul say in verse 20? Saul seems genuinely clueless that he has done nothing wrong. He thought he had done an excellent job. And in chapter 15, verses 24 through 25, he does exhibit the right response. Write down what Saul said. How does Samuel respond in verses 26 to 35? What an ugly end. And yet Saul's reign was not over. In the eyes of God it was, but we see that Saul reigned until his death. But look what happens to him in 1 Samuel 16, 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. From my perspective, Saul wasn't so bad. I feel for him. This story makes me so sad. His partial disobedience was no worse than Abraham's. Remember, Abraham obeyed God by leaving his home, but he also brought his family with him, and he wasn't supposed to do that. So why was God so harsh with Saul? Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please, at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me, so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshiped the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, 30-31 Does Saul seem sincere? Why or why not? I see sincerity here. Saul has accepted that he did wrong, and he feels terrible. He wants to be right with the Lord. The only thing I notice is slight. Saul says, so that I may worship the Lord your God. This phrasing points to a relationship with God that is not personal. Perhaps his relationship is more formal and even transactional. Saul is aware that God's favor is needed, but he doesn't know God on an intimate level. Let's relate. Do you know God on an intimate level? It's clear that Saul wanted to be back in God's presence, but it wasn't enough. Saul still thought of God as Samuel's God, not his own. I emphasize this minor yet crucial detail because I think many professed Christians have fooled themselves about the relationship they have with God. This small detail makes the difference between hearing, Well done, my good and faithful servant, Matthew 25, 21, and depart from me, I never knew you, Matthew 7, 23. Going to church, attending a Bible study, 
reading a devotional, or listening to Christian music doesn't mean you have a relationship with the Almighty God. Having an intimate relationship with God looks different and feels different. It involves communicating with God day in and day out, wanting to do His work, surrendering your desires and embracing His, letting go of the things of this world, understanding His character and heart more and more each day. When your relationship with God is authentic and active, you'll know it. For 34 years of my life, I can honestly say I was a believer and Jesus was my Savior, but that's it. Now I know what it means to have an intimate relationship with my Lord, and I would never go back to where I was seven years ago. There's another topic we should touch on. The desire of people was to have a physical king instead of an invisible God. So God gave them their king, but the people still weren't happy. Can you think of times in your life when God gave you what you think you wanted, but you still weren't happy? In chapter 15, we learn that Samuel was very distressed at the news that Saul would be stripped of his title as king and cried out to the Lord. If I were to guess why he cried out, he was dreading bringing this bad news to Saul. Samuel's connection with the Holy Spirit was strong, and I believe that's another reason why he cried out to the Lord. He was grieving with God. He was disturbed that this long-awaited king wasn't working out. Like God, Samuel loved the people of Israel. We have this same God living inside of us today, ready to grieve with us in our time of need. It's always comforting to know that when we are in pain, God cares. He cares because He is our Creator. No one wants better for us than God does. Thoughtful pause. Like Samuel, have you ever dreaded bringing someone bad news? What did you do, and how did you feel after it was over? So friends, this is the end of part one of chapter seven. Next time, the episode will cover David. I hope you'll join me. Have a great day. I'm so glad you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support and help share its uplifting message, you can leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. To donate 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month, simply click the Anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says Support and select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact on the lives of my family. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care.